All right, well, this past January, actually February this year, we had our annual men's retreat, right? Who was there? Good. And the theme of this year's men's retreat was the gospel family. And every man left that retreat with one of the gospel family books. Thank you. And uh, I know many people, many of the families in our church family have been walking through this book, using the resources available to, to try to begin to see what it would look like if in our home, in our home, what would it look like if Jesus was the center of that? What if he is the, the main goal, the main thing behind all that we do? And so today, we're going to have a conversation. Quickly, we should introduce everyone. This is my wife, Brooke. Um, I got a mic, so I'm just going to do this. This is Colt and Jessica McDowell, Pastor Sidney and Miss Meredith Brock, Jason and Cherie Friend, Jimmer and Heather Roy. And the reason these specific families are up here is because God's providence, number one. And number two is because they specifically, we've been having conversations over the past four months or so about the gospel family things and, and the starter kit and using these resources available and, and tough conversations about what works and what doesn't work and why is raising children to be believers so hard. And so I think this will be a really good conversation today and hopefully um, we can uh, be very honest and open and candid and also that will help everyone in the room as we go through this process. And so, it's not just for young families. And it's not just for single parents, or it's not, I mean, so it's, it's a church, it's, a, it's an everybody deal, raising the next, fam, the next generation of faith believers, so. That's right. One of the verses that we say is very important to us is in Deuteronomy. This was a focal verse for heritage when we first started the church. It's been almost eight years ago now. But why don't we put that up there? It's Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So there's three pillars to the gospel family ministry idea, and those are family discipleship, family worship, and family missions. So to begin with, we're going to take those three things, and we're going to start with family discipleship. And as you guys have been using the book, using the resources, beginning to make this push toward having a gospel family in your home, how is family discipleship being understood, or how is that being lived out? And we're just going to go anybody that speaks first. Okay, I'll, I'll start with um, family discipleship. We, we first decided that we, were gonna, we needed to do family devotions. So the day that Brian talked at service about family devotions and making a time for it and how you were going to do it, um, I'm very, like, black and white. This is the way that it has to be. There's no gray. Colt, he's not that way. He's like, there needs to be some room for air. You know, there has to be some give and take. So we leave church that day, and we were literally arguing in the car about when we were going to do family devotions. I was like, it has to be done at dinner time. We have to do it at dinner. And he said, my schedule's, you know, I'm not always home at dinner time. There has to be some fun. No, we have to do it at dinner time. And so um, 
I said, this is ridiculous. I mean, we're arguing about when we're going to do family devotions. So it was just obviously, I mean, the enemy was coming in strong and doesn't, doesn't want us to be doing gospel family, doesn't want us to be having family devotions. Um, and I'd have to say that we are really intentional about doing it. Sometimes it's at dinner. Sometimes it's at night before bed. Sometimes it's in the car. Um, and we've just, whenever we can do it, whenever we can grab the Bible and read it with the kids or do it is just, we've just, that's just how we have come to do it. So there's some room for gray. I think for um, our family, you know, you go through different stages with your children. I remember doing lots of those family devotions when the kids were little and one of them was always doing somersaults while you're trying to do your thing. <laughs> you know, you're just like, are they getting any of this? Um, but I think in our family, um, there's kind of that transition that's going on where you kind of want that faith and that leading of them doing their devotions. You want them to want to do it themselves. And so I'm starting to see like Caleb in the morning, sometimes in the car, will bring his little um, devotional book for kids and he'll read that on the way to school. And um, that's been working pretty well. I mean, it doesn't happen every day. Uh, we have other conversations, but it's kind of neat to see them starting to want to lead some of that time, and they're bringing it up. So that's kind of how it's being displayed in our home right now. I think for us, is, uh, we, as parents, we want to try and have all that control and create what that environment's going to look like. And for us, we were just pushing too hard to be able to focus on one thing. So what we had to find is we had to find that item of familiarity with the kids. You know, things that they were familiar with and where it really started is what was happening here on Sunday mornings. And what was happening here, the kids were going home with movements, they were going home with songs that they liked. And Heather allowed to institute that in the car on the way to school and in other areas within the home that allowed us to drive with something that was already started. And if any of you know my wife, she vicariously lives through Facebook. And if it's available that the kids do, <laughs> she'll post it out there. But one of the things that was awesome is just, I was at work and she sent me this video and she posted on Facebook of Izzy actually going through one of the, the, the um, scriptures that she had memorized. And you know, as, as a parent, to, to be so proud of that is purely because of the fact of something that starts here and where we were lacking was taking something that was already started, grabbing a hold of it and moving forward with it. We were trying to do something that was ours and it didn't work, but we just kept, you know, we were trying to beat it to death and it wasn't working. Well, so. you know, that's a really good point, Jimmer, because every, we have curriculum that we use here. And one of our goals is that you're able to take that curriculum and be able to use that and you don't have to go create something else. And so, but there's that opportunity. I know what Brian's doing. Um, but there's that opportunity to take something that's already planned out because how many of us struggle because we don't have something? We're at a different stage now because we've got them, it, they're paced out. But it was so simple when they were younger to take that orange curriculum and be able to just re-emphasize that. It's a good point. I think for us, uh, we have found that sitting around the dinner table and right before bed are our opportunities to really capture their heart. And um, I think for us, we also have seen involving them, letting them read where we have a, a slew of kids at our house. So um, it takes a really long time. And in, for Jason and I, I believe that it's giving us an opportunity to practice patience um, because 
we're helping them with the words, some of them, or um, they're fighting over who's going to read, and you know, um, but just being intentional about involving them. And when I think we started doing that, we saw that they were looking forward to doing that. Can I read next time? Can I pray? You know, um, and then sharing, you know, we would go around and, and ask them, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, and that's really, that's really cool to hear from all these different ages of kids what their perspective is. In, you know, Sharia, <clears throat> I've had to go back in this past week, it was even going back to say, okay, guys, 650. 650. Because there's always somebody that's late in our house. It's just the way it is. So 6.50 is the time I was asking Caleb. Caleb, if I were to tell you what time, he says, 6.50, Daddy. Because there's, there's one in our house that's always going to be late. That's just the way it is. And so I've been trying to say, okay, how do, how do we get it so that it's, it's even a part of the fact that she wants to be there? But this is, this is the deal. It's not so much the information that we share with them, but what they see in us that makes the difference. You can do a devotional, and you can spend time in God's Word, but if you act like hell the rest of the week... You've missed it. Are you with me? And it's not the goal is to say, I'm going to sit down so that we can make sure that we get done this thing so that we can tell everybody we're doing this thing. But it's about, it's about the word followed through with the application as they see it in our lives, which sometimes can be one of the hardest things, right, adults? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think um, for me, and uh, being at the retreat, just like any time you go to a retreat, and when, when Ryan's brother Johnny was leading it, you get all excited about everything that's going on, and you can't wait to get home and implement everything, and you got all these ideas of grandeur in your head. And one of the things Johnny said is it's kind of like moving furniture into the house. You go buy a new couch, and it's awesome to have this new couch, but then you still got to pick that couch up and figure out how to get it in the front door and how to push it in. And... You know, I remember him saying that when we were there, but I didn't really know what he meant until we got home. And I get home from the retreat. Both kids are sick with, with strep throat. Um, I got deals falling apart at work. You know, I got all kinds of life happening. And then this kind of thing, you know, this stuff, it kind of takes a back seat to life. Um, and so I was going a little bit, I was a little overwhelmed. And one thing I did was I reached out to Brian and just said, I need help with this. You know, I need help to make sure um, that we implement it. So I said, Brian, can we get together once a week and just talk and make sure that, you know, you and I are both trying to do this? Because we by no means, Jessica and I, we're, we're trying to work on the family discipleship stuff. And it's, it's been good to put up our, our mission statement for our family. And it's been good to talk about Bella with that. But we are by no means as consistent or as intentional as I would like to be, or I know as she would like to be. Um, but meeting with Brian once a week to say, how you doing with this? Where are you at? And just checking in. That's been the biggest thing that's, that's helped me to continue to try to implement that mission statement and, and to try to, to implement the, the verses that we've picked out that we feel like are gonna help us be a great commission and a great commandment family. Um, because just like everything else, it's, it's not what you hear, it's what you do. And it's been a big blessing for me that Brian has agreed to meet with me once a week. And we, you know, just try to talk this stuff out and try to make sure we're trying to implement what's going on in this book. Um, I, this could be under family worship as well, but we do have a, a life verse that we've decided as a family is our verse. 
And so I think um, part of family discipleship is them falling in love with God's word and seeing how Brian and I use God's word in our life and how uh, we want them with all the little situations that come up in their world, um, how to use scripture to, to heal that and to help that, like John was saying, going to the word. Um, so we uh, definitely, as, uh, as parents, you know, want to share with them what God's teaching us individually. You know, I try to, to say, you know, God really spoke to me last night or God really spoke to me. He, you know, this is something God taught me and it might be when we're in the car. And so those lessons, those voices that you're hearing from the Lord um, are wonderful ways to, to, to speak that to your children. Don't just keep it to yourself, but tell them, you know, God really, I was struggling with this and God showed me in his word, you know, this answer. And then as far as our verse, it's really funny, actually, I used it this morning because our children were fighting horrifically um, before church and uh, over Mario Kart, um, the a Wii game Mario Kart. We love it in our family, and Brian and I are tied currently. But um, anyway, <laughs> wanted to throw that out there. So anyway, they were fussing with each other. I was trying to get ready, and they were just, you know, you would have thought that they were killing each other out there. So immediately we went to our family verse, which is love is patient, love is kind, love is not boastful. Braxton was bragging, saying he's the champion, and Ainsley was getting her feelings hurt, so then she was yelling at him. And so we talked about love is patient, you know, love is not boastful, and we, we, we turned to that verse. Instead of me just trying to figure it out myself and say, guys, be loving to each other, you know, how many times have we said that? We are trying to take the scripture and let that penetrate their hearts. And so that verse has been wonderful. Brian uses it pretty much every time there's a problem, he brings that verse up and he has them. And one way that they know the verse is every night at dinner, we have it hanging in our kitchen and every night at dinner, not every night, you know, maybe four nights a week or so, uh, they, they read it and we read, you know, one of them reads it or they'll, now they have it memorized. So they'll say it out of memory. So one specific concrete way to do this is to go ahead and come up with the family verse and hang it where you are constantly and, ha and just repeat it and then go back to that constantly throughout the week, so. That's really good. Yeah, the, I think one thing that's important with me and Colt meeting, I think it's always good to find someone that you be honest with. So many times we want to, because the people around you know you're a church person, sometimes there's a lot of pressure for us to pretend like our home and everything is, is that we've got it together. And I think honesty is really important because, number one, it, it gives you credibility because if people really thought for a second that you were perfect, you know, that, that's just silly. But we try to put on this facade a lot of times. And whether we're a pastor or just a churchgoer for a long time or a Christian for 30 years, like John said, we want, to, we want people to think, well, I've got Jesus, so my life is really great. And to be able to be honest and to take that honesty also to your children and, and uh, let them know, I don't have it all together. Apologize to your kids, that's a good thing. Uh, admit your wrongs the way you want them to admit theirs. One question I wanna ask you guys before we go to family worship is, how would you respond to the statement that family is God's tool for reaching the next generation of believers? What would anybody say about that, just over your experience the last few months? Um, there's a... I guess, you know, our job's to teach them. They, they can't just get this stuff on their own. I mean, they can, but do we want them to? No. Um, and there's a whole chapter in here that's devoted to, it's prayer. It's all, it's, it's about how he prays for his family, but how his family prays together. And 
I've been working on prayer, and it's a weakness of mine that I was struggling with, and I don't know why, but I would know that if Savannah was struggling for struggling, why I wouldn't be in prayer with her. And I was nervous about would I say the right words, you know, and just feeling silly about it. And I don't know why I ever felt silly about wanting to pray to God. I mean, that's the most important thing. And so over the past several months um, since starting this, now I'm at the place where if she's in a bad mood and we're in the van on the way to school, I just stop and I'm like, okay, we're praying. You know, and we just, I pray for her before she gets out of the car, and, you know, she may think it's the silliest thing, but at, at the same time, she doesn't, her prayer, I've seen her prayers grow, and what she prays for, and what she says, and her have more confidence to pray. So, I'm really hoping that that's kind of rubbing off on her, and and then her little sister will see that through her, and, you know, is he is twirling around on the floor when we're doing all of this, our devotions, but she is still seeing it. So. That's perfect. Well, the next pillar of the gospel family is family worship. And I know that when we began talking about this, you know, a lot of times, um, especially us guys, we kind of freak out about that. Because what does that mean? We're going to, like, all gather around and start singing songs together because I'm not a good singer and I don't have an instrument, and that messes me up. I'm a nervous. What would that look like? And, and uh, so I wanted to say, you know, I know that Jason and Shree, their kids love music. They love to sing and dance and fall and twist and turn. And, and what does that look like in your home now that you begin to say, well, family worship doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have a sit down and have a 45-minute scheduled out time, but what does family worship look like in your guys' home? Um, it's constant, you know. It's, it's constant in the car. We have the kids, they sit there on the phone, they turn the worship music on, mom's singing, we're all singing, running around acting crazy. Um, but it's just constant, you know, it's, it's gone from quit listening to this other music that we were listening to, to, to now they're, they're all ready, you know. Even Paisley knows all the songs to the Christian songs that we're, that we're singing, so it's, it's constant um, in our house. And they love it, we love it, you know, it's great. I, I one of the, and I don't know if this is embarrassing or not, but one of the favorite stories was when you guys came back from the retreat. You know, I got to spend quite a bit more time with Jason finally at the retreat, and and uh, me and my brother and Jason just really hit it off. And and I remember the next Sunday morning, I guess maybe Shree was singing or something, but she said, you know, I love this book you guys brought home. I said, she said Jason came home and he said, I'm I'm going to be the spiritual leader in our home and. And, and this is what we're going to try to do. And she said, look at you being all attractive, <laughs> spirit, spiritual leader in my home. <laughs> and, and I love that because it was the challenge for us was not, that, not to feel guilty or bad about anything to this point, but to say from this point forward, God, what do you want me to do in my home? How do you want me to lead my family, my children, my spouse? What does that look like? And, and I, I just love that story it's so much. Okay, so who else? Family worship in their home. Anybody? Scripture is definitely a form of worship, reading, reading scriptures. So one thing that was mentioned in the book, I believe, am I too loud? Um, and Brian and, and the sermons and everything is to display scripture around the house. 
And so one of my big quests that finally got accomplished was to put scripture all along my bathtub. Um, we have a large tile area around the bathtub um, because that's where the kids spend a lot of time and everything, too, to see that. And so we, we try to read through that and just think through that and ponder on that. And there was one specific time when Ainsley was really struggling with um, her behavior one night with her just inward feelings and everything. And she is nine, so you, you guys can relate to that, I'm sure. So we, um, brought nothing Brian and I were saying, we tried to pray with her, all of that, it just, it wasn't um, impacting her. And on her own, she went to that scripture, one of those framed scriptures um, in the bathtub, and she brought it to bed with her, and she held it, and fell asleep with that scripture, with her arms around that scripture. And it was the one that says, I will quiet you with my love, I will rejoice over you with singing, and that's the only thing that calmed her down. And that was her little time of worship, and I kind of saw it as a shield you know, against, against Satan's throwing his darts at her. Um, so that definitely is a way to worship as well as to put scripture, you know, everywhere that, that you can in your home to be aware of that as well as singing and listening to music and all that. You know, Brooke, I, I think that we view worship always as a gathering like this. <clears throat> but wouldn't it be neat if our children would get down to that place and we ourselves would even have those times that we remove the distractions and we go spend time with the Lord. You know, one of the biggest distractions in worship is rest. We talked about rest a few weeks ago. Many of us don't have time because we're so busy doing a lot of religious things for God. And then we end up, that's a tool of Satan. We miss out on the worship, the opportunity to, to, to reflect and to remove the distractions and to reflect on him and to seek him alone. Meredith a lot of times will take and she'll put on She'll put on some worship music um, or things of such as we're doing different things. But I, I think one of the biggest things is how do we remove the distractions and so God is the priority, so that he is the one thing that is being adored, that he is the one thing that is being focused on and not the other stuff, which may mean taking them away, the Mario games, or taking away the, the iPad or the whatever it may be that they have that distracts them. Um, and so... And, and so I think that's a, that's a big issue. How do we create margin and space in our lives so that there is the opportunity to worship and focus on him alone except on Sunday mornings? I think um, you've been hearing a lot of the same themes about car time. I, I just think it's really valuable. We live about 20 minutes away from school, and it's rare that you get your kids all free in an enclosed area <laughs> for any length of time. And um, some days on the way to school, honestly, it's a complete disaster, um, arguing and just... Not in the pastors. Oh, no. Unkind comments that Don't you tell just... Don't tell that, baby. Don't tell You just wonder, it. you know, what have we done anything to train these children? Um, <laughs> but you just keep trying. And some days on the way to school, my all three of my kids love music, and we pretty much have the Z on every day. And sometimes... Um, I'd say probably at least once a week we stop and we talk about the words of that song because they know all the words to all the songs. But, you know, you can just get used to singing and not even know what you're singing. And so sometimes we'll stop. Um, I remember we had a really great conversation within this last school year. Um, there's a song called Blessings by Laura Story. Some of you might know it. And they didn't really understand what that meant. You know, blessings come through raindrops and difficulties in your life. And so we had a chance to talk about that. And it was perfect timing because um, Caleb was going through a really difficult time at school. And we talked about how, what's the silver lining of this? How's God going to use that buddy in your life to teach you and mold you into the person that he wants you to be? 
and just to be listening and receptive to that. But it was just, it was a form of worship for us because we were listening to that song and then what does that actually mean? And it was just a real special thing. Over the past couple months for us, we've, uh, we've experienced some family struggles, um, loss of loved ones and things. And uh, Savannah has become kind of reclusive. Her emotion, she's already emotional, she's a redhead. And uh, she lets us know every bit of fire and energy she has. But through that, though, she has also become so reclusive from us, and she become distant. And you know, even those that know her had said, you know, Savannah's dealing with something here. We're not sure what it is, but she's been really quiet. She's been withdrawn and not really been herself. And uh, so he Heather actually just started playing a lot more worship music in the house and taking the time and singing with her. And what we've noticed is just by pulling the TV away, pulling the iPad away, getting rid of everything else, and allowing the worship music just to come into our home, Savannah's been then actively participating again. And she's coming around back to her normal self. She's starting to talk to us more. And you know, th there's just something to be said by allowing God's word just to be evident in all things that we do and just allowing it to be you know, sounded throughout the home that the invitation of him just being there and present with us, not only in our heart and in our minds, but allowing him to flow through our mouths allows everything else to be dealt with at that same time and allows us to get that peace and the rest that we need. Um, for us with, with family worship, I know I speak for myself and I think I can speak for Jessica that we don't have a musical bone in either one of our bodies. Um, we enjoy listening to music, but as soon as we start singing, it's like, baby, you know, the person that's singing this song is supposed to be singing that song for a reason. Um, but we, you know, and Jessica more than I um, has, has done a really good job of finding other ways, creative ways to worship, um, to worship God. Like the other night we were pulling into the neighborhood and there's just this beautiful sunset. And Bella saw it and, and Bella's our daughter and she noticed it and she's the one that said something about it. And Jessica's like, well, who created that sunset? And it led us into this whole conversation about God and creation. And then it tied into the Bible story that we read. We just read the simple little kid's Bible story of, about creation. And we've read through it. And we're having this full-blown conversation about creation just from Jessica being keen and, and aware of, of how to worship all the beauty that's around us. Um, so that's one way that we've tried to implement worship. Also, I've tried to teach our kids that you can worship in, in different ways. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, exercising or, or, or reading or scripture or whatever, but you don't have to always be singing to worship God. And that's something that's helped in our family. Okay, so family missions is the third pillar of the gospel family ministry. Um, I love being a part of the heritage family. Uh, our partnership with Nicaragua has been huge over the past few years and in the, that time we've had families going on mission together the McLeans, the Bells, the Brocks, the people have been taking family members to the, the you know Jim and took Rachel Frazier with him his daughter and said we're going to go we're going to do this as a family because when we go and we serve and we do that as a family that's again that's teaching if family is God's tool for reaching the next generation of believers, how are our children going to know that missions is important if we do not show that to them ourselves? So family missions is important, and it doesn't necessarily mean getting on an airplane and going halfway across the world, 
Family missions is serving your neighbor who lives by herself and she can't cut her own yard. Family missions is, is, is at taking care of, of your neighborhood so that people would see Jesus in you and doing it as a family or your, your sports fields or your schools, those kinds of things. Working at Beyond the Walls Food Pantry as a family. That's family missions and, and it's being an example. So what, what is family missions? What's on your calendar? What's, what's coming up? How are you using family missions in your missional community? Or, or what do you guys have planned as a family to, to achieve that? I have a really neat story. Um, we as a family, uh, well, this is what was happened. I worked at a nursing facility, and I had a lady come in and want to acquire about a uh, placement for her family member. Long story short, God had plan for her to come in that day and for her and I to meet and I got to know that she and her husband um, fed the homeless on the weekend and I just thought that was so neat my dad I identified with that because my dad he um, had a heart for that and so it was like oh I love that I would love to do something like that and not only would I love to do that I would love our family our kids us to be, do it together so we kept talking about it, we kept talking about it, and I said, well, is this something that my family could come and help? Could we come and do that? Could we come and participate? She was like, oh my goodness, yeah, no doubt. So I went home and I told Jason about it, and we were so excited, and um, we went. We went and we served, we brought bags, and our kids got to help organize stuff, they helped got to pass out food, and it's a little ministry in Leesburg called, called Come As You Are. And fast forward, at this time, we were attending this church, but we were not in small group. So we joined our small group. So we're in small group one night, and Eric and Jen, who are our leaders, start talking about this opportunity for our small group to, yeah, okay, Thanksgiving. So to serve this um, little community group and, and our community. And so they start telling about these people because they, Eric and Jen, had went and Jason and I hadn't, didn't know this, kind of cool thing. So they had went and they had served as a family, just their little family unit. And so as they start telling about these people, I go, it's the same people we went to, you know, and, 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 uh, and spend time with. So we as a small group have um, adopted this community, Come As You Are, and we've gotten to go and um, we helped paint um, we've helped serve, um, and we've brought our kids along. And to be honest with you, it um, some of the um, some of the things we've seen, some of the things that we've heard, um, we have had to really be intentional about conversations with our kids because it's not like our church service. Um, there's been some things that you know have really required more conversation. But the opportunity that it's given us, not only as a family at the very beginning, but then as us as a small group, was just the neatest thing. Neat, neat, neat. Um, one thing that Johnny talked about at the retreat um, was that he prayed that there would be grace to cover the room for all the men in there because as we started to talk about this stuff, it's real easy to think about how you're not doing that or how hard it's gonna be to do that. And his, his mission and his goal at that retreat was to not, to have everybody not feel bad about it, but just try to, how to, try to how to figure out how to start taking small steps forward. Um, and I'd like to sit up here and say that we've got this trip planned and we got that trip planned, but we don't. Um, but we've also came to the realization that, you know, you can mission by walking across the street or going over to your parents' house or going somewhere that people don't know the Lord. And you can, you can be a great commission and a great um, commandment family. Um, and for me, that's been huge to remember that 
as long as we're trying to make steps forward and implement this in our family, we're growing and we're doing what God wants us to do. Um, and I don't know about y'all, but everything that I've ever, you know, I grew up, and I'm just a, I'm not that smart of a guy, but I grew up playing basketball and I really wanted to be a good basketball player. And, and as a student, I learned a lot about basketball. And as a player, I learned a lot about basketball, but I never learned basketball like I did until I started teaching it to other people. And I've found with the gospel family, when I'm teaching the Great Commission to Bella and Taylor, and I'm teaching the Great Commandment, and then backing it up with our, you know, Corinthians 13, because again, I'm not that smart, so if God says love him and love each other, I gotta figure out, you know, what does God, what does that mean? What does love mean? And we, we've been trying to teach Bella what love actually means, what the Bible says. Um, but as we teach her, and as we're telling her to go out and be a, uh, somebody that's trying to be a light for Jesus, I'm learning, and Jessica's learning, how to do this better. And I think that's been the whole point for our family, is just to get us more focused and, and more on purpose, and it's made life more fulfilled, having that drive and having that focus and, and learning from them as we teach them. It's, a, it's really about awareness, isn't it? And I think one of the things early on that Meredith and I were able to do that seemed to produce a lot of fruit and a lot of awareness was adopting a child um, and in, in adopting a child, sponsoring a child. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's another sermon. That's another sermon. Is that the bear? Yeah. <laughs> but we had sponsored a child, and, and in, in, in our prayer times around the table, many times, even two days ago, Anna, Anna mentioned, she said, Lord, will you be with Hakeem today as he sits at his table and as he sits down to eat? And so I think that awareness, whether it's bringing to beyond the walls, whether it's it's serving um, where you guys served, whether it's taking going across the street and serving a meal or opening up your doors or mowing a, a, a yard for somebody that's in need, those things, what they do is they demonstrate selflessness and they, they demonstrate sacrifice and they demonstrate Christ-likeness. What makes the difference isn't our serving. That only opens the door. What makes the difference is the gospel. That's what brings people hope. And so as we do that, how do we continue to bring about awareness and demonstrate that, that leadership in those opportunities as they come? Because we're always going to struggle with that. Because a lot of times in life, it's about me and my schedule. But look for those opportunities to serve because they're always there. I'm going to say this. Um, because I know that people are going to start getting um, weary. But I know that a lot of people have this question, and I really wanted to hear from some people up here, is this is the question. How do I know when my child is ready for baptism? You know, today, wonderful to see Brock come up and, and be baptized and declare his love for the Lord. Um, I think it's important to note that when Gary Blanchard was saying that, that it's not only his family's responsibility to help him grow up, but our family, our church family. And so all of the stuff we're saying in the gospel family thing is that, you know, um, it's not just for people who are husband and wife with two kids living in their home, but it's also for the grandparents who are ministering to their grandchildren and helping them come up as, as believers. It's for the, for the single parents who are doing this on their own and to surround themselves with a church family like this. It's for the people who, who don't have children, but they have nephews and nieces and, and they have people in their neighborhood who have children. What does it look like to be doing these three things, a family discipleship, family worship, family missions for those that you have influence over? 
So how do I know when my child is ready for baptism? Or how do I know when my child is ready to ask Jesus in their heart? And I don't know, Sid, if you want to start that. Meredith, you know, you have three children who have all made that decision and be baptized. Um, and it's different for every family. And so I think that's one of the confusing parts and why we have so many people asking that question. Certainly not an expert, just walk through it with three children, so there might be a lot more answers that might resonate with you differently than mine. Um, I think every child is different too, and so um, I know in my life I accepted Jesus when I was four, but I don't know that I was ready to understand all that baptism meant, and I got baptized when I was seven years old, and I remember that very well. For my kids, um, they accepted, all of them accepted Jesus early on, very young, four and five years old for all three. And I b truly believe they all understood that. But they started asking some questions when they would see people get baptized and they would see, um, you know, the change in them. They would ask, you know, I, what does that mean? What, what can I do to do that? And we would explain, you know, what baptism was. Um, and it just kind of was a natural progression. It wasn't like the light bulb kind of just went off for us. It wasn't like there was a set time like, oh, now you're ready. You just, it was those conversations. And then they would just ask, mommy, I, I would like to do that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be baptized. I want other people to see that Jesus lives in my heart. And so I don't know any magic to tell you other than it's just those conversations. And I believe that God gives you a discernment as a parent to help you with that. Well, for, for one of ours, one of the conversations with Abby was we were passing by Lake Sumter College when Abby began to ask. You remember that? We were driving in the car, and that was for her. For Caleb, his decision came when we were sitting down doing the resurrection eggs at Easter and walking through that with him, with him asking. Um, but I, I think it can be multi, in a multi, multiple ways that a child is made aware, and all of a sudden the Lord begins to speak, and the Scripture says, come to me as a little child in other words a childlike faith and Brock and I were talking earlier on today this morning and you know early on in, in our childlike in our in our as a child you have a tendency to trust you have a tendency to have faith in things as an and what Keep, and, it's simple. and it's simple as you get to be an adult it becomes harder to trust because of the pain and the hurt and the difficult that we endure and so I think that there's that opportunity. You take children where they are, and you listen, and you want them to understand. But who are we to determine when that decision is? We are only guardians of the faith. And so I think we do the best that we can, and we try to get wise counsel and to involve other people so that they're a part of that time. What, what does someone else think up here? I know for Brian, I, he was really a good spiritual leader in this way with us because Ainsley had been questioning since very, very young and, and really wanting to love Jesus and everything. He was waiting for her to show repentance and to show an understanding of sin. That was his big thing was to make sure that both of our children, when they, when we went forward with um, accepting Jesus and baptism was making sure that they on their own were real, you know, realized that they were sinners and that they made bad choices and that that's their sin nature and that we need Jesus to rescue us from that sin and so when they were saying that on their own without prodding from us is when Brian decided that you know I think that they're ready and, and we completely agreed so for our family that's that was the big thing there. so Savannah hasn't actually been baptized yet but it was about two and a half months ago that uh, 
sitting right out here actually where Mike Tucker's sitting. She had come to me and she had accepted Christ into her heart. And uh, she started talking to me about baptism and she was also letting me know how fearful she was because she didn't want to be in front of everybody here. And uh, she still has that fear. But it was a couple weeks ago that she, she said to us, she said, I want to sing and worship with mommy. I really want to do that. And I said, okay. And, you know, we, we were talking about it a little bit. And I said, well, how, how about, are, are you scared? And she said, I don't know. I, I want to see if God's going to be with me. I want to see if he's going to be with me. And she sang and worship that day and she danced all by herself and, uh, and did it very well. Of course, any father's going to say that. <laughs> But afterwards, I, we, we prompted in the car, and we said, Savannah, how, how did you feel? And she said, God was with me. God was with me. That, for me, was a confirmation that she is ready because she understands in amongst the fear that she may have that in spite of, God is going to be with her. And I'm going to entertain that conversation with her again. Are, are you ready now? Because now you know that in your fear and in spite of, God is with you and he will help guide you through all of those fears that you may have. Well, and what's scary about that and, and how I know it's scary, but yet it's very comforting that uh, the attacks come. When your kids decide that they want to live for Jesus and baptism happens, truly Satan, Satan really wants to come into, into their lives. And we saw that very evidently, right? They, they were... Uh, believers in baptism in uh, November of a few years ago and right after we started to see serious spiritual warfare in their lives and also the other side of that is um, they're feeling the Holy Spirit I mean they are making decisions and and hearing him speak to them and they'll you know Ainsley asked for forgiveness the other night uh, over something that happened in kindergarten she's in third grade she had never she she <laughs> She was holding on to it, and she finally just asked for forgiveness from Jesus first. Two weeks later, she told us about it because God told her, you need to tell your parents. And she, she stopped, and you know, she told her kindergarten teacher she had a dog when she did it. That was her, her lie, okay? And so she had, to, she had to confess to Jesus about it, and then she thought that was going to be good enough, but then the Holy Spirit told her, you need to tell mom and dad. And she told us, and she said all this weight was lifted. So that tells me that... It's real because she has the Holy Spirit in her life. Braxton, same thing. He has the Holy Spirit in his life. And you'll see that in your children. And also you'll need the scripture and need prayer because Satan will uh, desire to have them. So That's a really, really good point. And it's a really good point to take the scriptures and go back to Galatians and go back to Colossians to help them understand what the fruit of the Spirit looks like within our lives as it is expressed. Because the values that we have put on Christianity so many times are the religious activities. But when you go back, it's not about the activity on the outside, it's the activity that goes on on the inside. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forgiveness, and those types of things. And to constantly talk, I just had a conversation the other day and I, I've learned to take out the Bible and say, can you tell me where you can find that that attitude is in God's word and it is, in, and it is acceptable? They hate that. <laughs> yeah, I so Dad. I say, if that attitude's not acceptable, then what is it? It's not acceptable. So let's see what God's Word has to say about that. Oh, I want you to read it. Here, read it. Who wrote that, you know? <laughs> hey, before we close up, can I do this one thing? Because uh, I know...
Um, I, I want to say grandparents, um, other people that are involved in the lives, those of you that attend, none of us are exempt from this responsibility of raising children of faith. Bob, can I, can I just share? I'll try to share very quickly. After the men's retreat, Bob became, uh, I think, burdened. I don't really know about the spiritual well-being of my grandchildren. I've never not really taken advantage of the opportunities of, of, of maybe doing some things that I could have been doing. And he and Louise, probably several months ago, were able to gather some of his grandchildren and very intentionally, not haphazardly, intentionally gather them, spend time with them having a game night. At the end of that game night, they had a devotional time in which Bob shared from God's word, shared, I think, shared their testimony, and asked them about their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't just, I'm going to go crash granddaddy and grandma's house and we're going to spend the night. But what they did is they took that time to invent, intentionally invest to create that web of, of connections so that it's not just a parent's responsibility. It is our responsibility, but it's a networking. It's a, it takes a village to raise a child, and that's our responsibility. So I just wanted to say, Bob, thank you. Thank you for, for that example, for that testimony for you and Louise. Uh, for what you guys did. I so deeply appreciate that. I think the word you just used with Bob and Louise was intentionality. And I think all of the stuff that we're talking about, that's the key, is that it takes intentionality. It takes a plan. It takes you sitting down and saying, this is going to be important. It's going to be a priority. Um, just like we do with other things that we set up in our families, whether they be sports schedules or work schedules or sleeping schedules or eating schedules, we say this is going to be a priority. And, and that's what it takes. Uh, you know, you're talking about Ainsley confessing sin. You know, all of these things, uh, it takes us teaching them what that means. I remember one of the earliest times we talked about the word confession in the car. It was me, Braxton, and Ainsley. And... We talked about what that meant, and Ainsley said, oh, I understand. And so we were praying back and forth, and I said, Ainsley, why don't you pray something about confession? And I guess Braxton had lied the day before and gotten busted for it. And so we started praying, and Ainsley said, guys, I just want to confess and say I'm sorry that Braxton lied yesterday. <laughs> and, and so, you know, she, was, she understood confession, and she, she understood. confessing for her brother. That's right. She didn't want to confess for herself, but for what someone else had done. But then that was probably a year or so ago, and now a year or so later, and she's confessing her own sin. It's a process. It's, a, it's this journey. You know, we learn what does confession mean. Okay, well, I understand that. Don't like what it sounds like, but I understand it. And then eventually the Holy Spirit working in our life, we learn to confess our own sins because we know that we want to be made right with him again. So as we're closing up, I want to just tell you the Gospel Family, I, I want you to buy this book, and it's not because my brother wrote it. But um, because he doesn't get a lot of money from this, he actually takes the money and it goes all to Gospel Family Ministries anyway. So that's a good thing. But I want you to buy it because it's an easy read, right? And it's very practical. A lot of the times that we say, well, you need to do this, this, and this, but we sometimes still have questions of, well, how do I go about doing that? So you can find this on Amazon or um, iBooks or whatever, wherever you buy books, Barnes and Noble, all that kind of stuff, and, and buy that. And on the Gospel Family website, if you'll go to that next slide, Drew, the Gospel Family Starter Kit is free, and it's on there.
for a free download. And in the Gospel Family Starter Kit, you'll find a paper that has a spot for you to write out your family mission statement. Now, there's a chapter in the book about how to go about doing that, okay? And, but uh, I know Colt and Jessica spent a lot of effort and at even multiple days working through what does this look like? And now, is it easy enough for our small children to understand and have a family mission statement. There's a page on there where you can put your family memory verse and hang that in, in the uh, house somewhere. And then there's also a prayer calendar. Now, my brother was forgetful this month, and so the prayer calendar did not update for the month of May. But there's going to be a new one already done for the month of June. Download and print out the prayer calendar. Throw it on your fridge. The way we use it is at nighttime before dinner. One of the kids gets up, runs to the refrigerator, looks at the calendar... And they say, okay, today we're praying for this. The prayer calendar is already filled out for you. You don't have to go in there and find something to pray for, but it's done. We pray for that item before dinner when we pray. It's really easy, but there's some really practical things that you can do as a family. That's all. I want you to think, think ahead five years and 10 years and 15 years in 30 years. I'm going to ask this question. Will you be at peace? Will your fence be secure? Will you have closed the gaps? Because as parents, we have that responsibility. As believers, we have that responsibility. I pray that you would join us and that and realize that it's a responsibility that all of us have. Our world is in trouble because we've spent our time building buildings and building programs instead of building into the lives of our children. It's time to change that. We have an opportunity to be a part of it. Would you pray with me today?